0: Today, we have a very special guest for you, as always, Emma Bannister. Growing up in a small town north of London, the big smoke was never far from view. Emma designed presentations for banks that traded in high standards and fast deadlines. Their expectations ignited her ambitions, leading her to bigger and bluer skies. Emma arrived in Australia in 2002. Knowing intelligent visuals packed a powerful punch, Emma took a passion for presentations one step further, launching Presentation Studio from her kitchen table in 2006. Fast forward a decade, Presentation Studio has grown to over 20 team members, all equally passionate about presentations, and believe storytelling can transform the way people and companies communicate. So let me explain to you why Emma is so passionate about transforming presentations. Sitting in presentations is usually the best time to check emails. Sadly, this is a missed opportunity for everyone. Hours, days, even weeks are wasted creating lackluster PowerPoints that are largely forgotten. If every presentation were creative, powerful and memorable, the positive impact on a company's revenue would be enormous. A presentation is your most influential business tool. It's worth investing your time and energy to get it right every single time. It's now time to hear how Emma wants to change the world with one presentation at a time. Enjoy. Well, today we have another super special guest for you. Actually, someone from Australia this time in Sydney, Emma Bannister. Welcome to I Am One Project. Hi, thanks for having me. So we were just having a bit of a chat um, and before we get, get into some of the juicy bits, because we really want to hear about her new book, Visual Thin- Thinking, uh, for our listeners, let's unpack Emma a little bit. Tell us what your new unique story is or what inspired you to do what you do.
1: Oh, Well, I have a, a, a quite a unique story in that I was born in the UK and I grew up wanting to go and work for Disney. I was always very creative and I had this... Idea that I was going to be the person that colored in all those animations on those wonderful cartoons. And as uh, technology changed, I ended up being a graphic designer and went off to work for the banks. Wasn't quite the same as Disney, (laughs) but what I identified there as a, a graphic designer for these big banks was that they were producing presentations that were awful. And they just weren't getting their message through. And I really saw that businesses on the whole were missing this level of communication that I thought was so important. And as a visual designer, I I could see how, how that could be transformed. So I came to Australia in 2002 and made it my goal to transform how communication um, happened through presentations and try and address the fact that people put so much information on slides and be able to um, communicate more effectively. So I started off as a, a freelance designer doing that, helping people with their PowerPoint presentations. And that was 12 years ago. And now I have a team of close to 30 people. And all we do is focus on presentations. So we won't touch uh, your sort of typical brand or website design. We focus on your message and your the the, the story of what you're sharing, and then how to visualise that in a way that your audience can understand and act on. And then we train. So it's
0: it's really either doing it for people or teaching them them how to do it themselves. Yeah, because I know I've experienced that myself, death by PowerPoint where there's a lot of uh, content and I'm a visual person so I think sometimes a picture tells a million words and I think it's about having the correct, I guess, picture that is aligned to your brand or your story. So you kind of like hone into your personal brand or your story, is that right, from a visual perspective?
1: Definitely, and I and I go the full circle because I was um, brought up in a family that was very much don't speak unless you're spoken to, and very introverted as a, my personality. So I then found myself running this presentation agency, but hating public speaking and being absolutely terrible at it. So I needed to increase my confidence around my speaker skills and delivery, and I started by using the visuals to give me that confidence because I knew at least half was right. The, the, the visuals look good and impressive. But then I had to build up the the speaker side. But it helps me now to connect with other people that face the same challenges.
0: Mm, and having a, pro, a a prompt like a picture to keep you on track. If, you, if you're doing a keynote, for example, I do the same thing. I'll have one picture that I can talk, talk through or tell a story about. Um and that's how I'll remember my speech from start to finish, so I might have uh i would say you know eight even ten powerful slides to do even an hour talk, but at least I know what each picture would represent um in what I want to say, so is that pretty much what you do
1: yeah, i mean that that definitely helps, so having those visuals to provide that structure, so it's a prompt, so you certainly. Wouldn't want all the words up on the slide, and I'm sure you don't. And so that rem- saying, "Oh yes, this is what we're going to talk about now," is is a much um, more clever way than totally relying on um, remembering the words. Like we really don't encourage people to try and memorize a script because you just literally forget. When you see comedians on the stage, for example, Billy Connolly or someone will say, have I told you that story about the policeman? And when, if you watch him, he'll point to a certain place on the stage because they remember their acts based on areas that they stand on the stage. So they do a similar thing. their, their, Their memory is prompted by where they're standing on the stage. And we can do the same thing ourselves or use slides as our prompts.
0: Mm. It's very similar to uh, when I was in the US, we did a, a thing where how to remember speeches and we did it from a visual point of view. And what we had to do is create a template, a blueprint of our uh, th- um, the map of our home. Mm-hmm. And then what we did is we had to write out our speech and make um, or create a picture uh, for every, say, couple of paragraphs. And then we would actually create a path on our blueprint with these pictures mapped out so when you visualize them in your mind and you have these pictures you can actually walk through this map uh like you're saying you could actually pretend it's sitting on your stage depending where you're standing will prompt you to talk about that specific topic
1: Exactly. It's that visual link. And we, we are designed to use visuals to remember. And so using them either body parts or the stage or like you're saying, that imaginary pathway, whatever works for you is the way that you need to embrace that. And, and you'll only find out what your way is by trying a few different things.
0: So, Emma, I'm sure our uh, listeners are curious as to how do you actually approach an organization, for example, to create a really simple story? Like, you know, people always talk about get, get right into the why and make it really sort of a one, one line, a big vision. And what's your mission to drive that? How do you go about it? For the company. Yeah, for a company. Or for a presentation. Okay. Oh. For a company that Either. then turns into a presentation, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, for, for us as, as our my company, our why is based around that um, the, we know that presentations help connect people. So we have um, everything that we do is around giving people the tools to support that. So when I started, we were just a design agency that literally focused on making slides prettier, Whereas now we've evolved to fulfill our dream and, and our why, and it has to be full circle. So we provide help with the words um, and the message. And as then we move to the design, making sure that supports people and then the delivery stage. So it, it, it has to be that passion of what you do is lies straight at the core. And, and that, took me a while to unravel exactly what I was doing because I was kind of doing it by default and didn't have a label for everything. But as we grew, I was able to identify it more clearly. And then you build your values around that. So um, we, our values are very true to, we have true to our hearts. We have a kind of eclectic team, you know, that they range from, Uh, super young millennials up to um, a a full of the full range and um, all from so many different countries so we have to unite in through our values and they're um, around that the passion for what we do is the underlying one and then of course we have the support and collaboration um, of, of then bringing those to life.
0: And obviously this all turns into a story because we know that storytelling is very powerful, especially to the unconscious or that deeper part of our mind.
1: Yeah, and and we actually bring our values to life through storytelling in the team. So uh, everyone from designers through to office managers through to um, senior team, they all share stories and present to each other. So it helps us all to sort of, be more open at communicating and and better public speakers but it it helps us get to know each other
0: more as well and they can be the simplest of stories that we share. Mm. So obviously this is very much linked into your new book Visual Thinking so talk us through the book. Great so Visual Thinking was my
1: contribution towards helping people communicate more clearly and I come from a very visual background so I'm always the one doodling and, and making notes with pictures and I wanted to give people a step-by-step guide that they could follow and make make their presentations uh, really have have more of a punch and that that comes from following some rules and so it really is a step-by-step guide that can help people start with the basics in terms of finding and thinking through what their their plan for this presentation is. Do they need to um, have a keynote presentation or are they better off with a handout or just a conversation? So when we're clear on what the audience needs and expects from this meeting, then we can start thinking about how we're going to communicate that And then I give lots of advice around the types of infographics or visuals or um, ways that you can physically go about
0: plotting out the storyboard and information for your presentation. So what would be some of those step-by-step creating a storyboard? What's your approach?
1: So the first thing that we address is the overall objective. So what are you trying to achieve so you can define success? And then, and often it's it's crazy, but people don't even know that. They'll go, well, I was just told to give this presentation, but they're not actually sure what they're trying to do, Whether they're um, whether it's a clear sales presentation, they're just trying to educate or share some results, be clear on what that is. And then when it comes to the development, we have to think about why the audience are coming, what they need from this presentation, because it's all about them. And the reason that you're giving this presentation is so that your point of view can come across really clearly. And that doesn't have to take an hour. That can take 10 minutes. So you can say, okay, guys, if we've got this, a, a group of people or a keynote, or not, not so much keynote, more of a group of people, I'm going to speak, share my point of view, be clear about my call to action, and then share my message of my presentation. And that can be short and sharp. And then you can have a table discussion uh, if it's an office environment. Uh, But if it's a keynote, it's a similar structure. You've got to be clear on what you're trying to achieve, what your audience is there for. Are Are they there to learn something from you? Are they inspired by you, but they want to know some ideas and tricks about what you're sharing? You've got to give them something. It's not they're not there for any other reason. They want something from you, whether that's to be educated or to um, buy from you, they want something. So you've got to give it to them and and make it clear and simple for them to understand. So work out what your goals are. And then when we provide training, we talk a lot about describing the current situation and then the future situation. So our partners... um, Duarte, which are an American company, have built this amazing training platform that really takes you through the persuasive communication channels. And, and that starts with the describing the, what it is and then talking about the future. And we go back and forth between the two until we close with a call to action and then your description of that final place. So there's lots you can do to sort of map out the path of your presentation and then each of those ideas can be visualized with either a photo, a keyword, or infographics and diagrams that actually really explain what you're saying in a simple way that can be remembered so there's there's so many bits, but if you follow a follow the rules, it actually comes together in a way that's incredibly powerful and doesn't waste everyone's time because that's no one wants that
0: no one wants your audience to feel like you've just totally wasted their time. Mm. So you actually have the end in mind, so you start with what's the outcome and then mm-hmm. kind of reverse engineer working backwards and working through your slides that way.
1: Yeah, but but be really clear about what the audience need mm. so how, and how you're achieving that. So what what are those common goals that you have? So the audience needs something, you've got that, how are you going to give it to them or how can you build that information and rapport with them and and so then we do we go back and forwards between where they are now what that future place is if
0: they take this information on but the, the audience has to be at the core Mm, absolutely. And I think that quite often we will talk about this in the show where, uh, you'll have, uh, entrepreneurs or business owners where they have in their mind a great service or a great product because that's what they're naturally really good at. And I think the, the thing that the gap for them sometimes is finding the right niche and how do they come out to as, you know, across that niche as the expert when there's so much noise. So what is some advice would you, uh, or would like to share with us around finding your niche, and how do you can how can you stand out amongst the crowd? So the niche is the bit
1: that you have to be an expert in that, or make yourself an expert at that. So I remember my dad saying once, you know, you have to to make money, you have to do something that either no one else wants to do, or be super super good at it. And so we—I have to. uh, My goal was always to be independent, but I identified there was a need for presentations. But I couldn't stay being a designer in order to grow that because that's not scalable. So I identified the need, but then I needed the team around me. And and I needed them to grow with me. So it's taken, it hasn't been an overnight success. We've all worked very hard at this, but you've got to find those champions. And the minute you can afford it, get them on board. For me, that's what's worked because we couldn't have grown otherwise without their support. But going for the the cheapest um, solution doesn't always work. It doesn't often work in that. If they, they, you need the people that are really going to um, have that knowledge, otherwise you end up doing everything yourself and that's not good for business owners. <laughs>
0: mm, we've heard that many times. It's not always, <laughs> it's not always the the uh, right uh, option, I guess, to go for the cheap option because sometimes that takes more time, more money, more effort. If
1: there's a long-term goal and you can see that your investment in their time is going to pay off, then that's fantastic. But often i haven't we haven't always um found that to be the case so mm-hmm. i think identifying the bits that you definitely need to do and owning them but everything else outsource it and get other people to own it and and one of our core strategies is really about getting our team to be empowered to um train and develop themselves, so we we can grow our team from within ourselves and have very clear um career paths for everyone because we are niche, and because we're niche isn't, we can't just go to seek and readily find people that are experts in our area. Mm,
0: it's so true. My business partner always says make sure you get people on board that will drive the business, not create more work for you
1: completely which is what you're mm. saying. Yeah, exactly. And it's,
0: and it's that passion, you know, you you don't, we have,
1: I have in the past hired people based on technical skill. And that's okay for a period of time, but we grew rapidly. And when we hit a certain point, Everyone was just breaking off in their own silos and there was no culture. There was nothing bringing us together. So you have to have people that love what they do and can communicate and share that with each other. Otherwise, why are you doing it? Because there we lost our... It's easy when there's a few of you around a table and you're all motivated. When that starts to grow, you have to have passion, people that are passionate and pods around to maintain that. And so we now hire purely based on our values um and but obviously they've we filter by the technical skill but we will train for that far more
0: than the values you can't teach someone to be passionate Mm. So, how do you do that? Because that's one of the pain points. We talk. We love talking about pain points, and that's one of the <laughs> pain points that most people that come on this show is say that if it's always about culture or getting the right team members uh, on board. And so, what is your trick to get the right team members that are aligned with your values? Like, how do you go about it?
1: Well, we've got a lot better at hiring through clearer job descriptions. So that's definitely um, made a difference for us. So we can be super clear on those interviews. And we do tend to go through about three rounds of interviews with people so that the different leadership um, people within the teams can meet with them and make sure they're kind of checking off different things as well as mainly the team values. For us, the, the cultural side, we work at it very hard. We used to have a culture club. Um, which would be responsible for giving back to the team and making sure that things were celebrated. And my team in particular, we don't go for the uh, really expensive celebrations. They're far happier with um, a lady coming in with a massage table every few weeks or lunches and things that actually give back. So we found that, um the millennials in particular are real strong advocates of giving back so they want to um go off and work in communities or um work on projects like we collected some stationery and they then went off out, out to deliver these to a a shelter and things like that that they they driving the initiative themselves that's been key um and then us championing it giving them a budget and and making sure it happens
0: I love Culture Club. It just made me think of Boy George just then. (laughs) Well, yeah, and the trouble with that was we had to actually then
1: explain who he was. (laughs) My team didn't know. Oh, that's
0: hilarious. (laughs) You know, that's a really good point, what you – actually brought up is reward and I think that everybody likes to be rewarded in a different way and I think that this is where I think a lot of companies get it wrong. They just automatically think that everybody wants to be rewarded the same way and I remember that there was an organization I did some work with and um, there was this one lady who was really amazing at her job but she never hit her KPIs. And it wasn't until I had a bit of a conversation with her and I said, How would you how do you like to be rewarded? She goes, I don't like that big hoo-ha. I don't like these once-a-year conferences where they call you up and give you this big, you know, trophy. And I actually don't like that. So she actually purposely uh never hit her KPIs because she that's not how she wanted to be rewarded and just the fact that we asked you know okay how do you like to be rewarded and it was more a little bit toned down uh, spending a time with her family maybe a weekend away so it's amazing how you can create that drive or that motivation just by asking the right questions how do you like to be led or how do you like to be rewarded So important. I think you've really hit it on the head there. And we actually
1: do that in our um, kind of, uh, not actually annual, I think there's the um, quarterly reviews and check-ins. It's more um, individual than that because some of our guys, they want time in lieu, like the, 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 having time and finishing, having that quality of life is really super important. so, being able to give that back, having your birthdays off. We give, we, we give that and you know, all those things that just that personal touch that have been thought about, but making it tailored to, to the individual.
0: I love having your birthdays off. That's so cool. (laughs) That is so cool. Uh, I, and it's true. It's, it could be, and, and it's, um, I remember one of my team members when I said, how would you like to be rewarded? And she said, you know what? I'd just like to sleep in one morning and not have to start at 8.30. And I went, okay, cool. Mm. You know, it was as simple as that. I didn't have to go out and buy movie tickets or do anything like that. It was simple as I just need some time out so I can sleep in. That's so good,
1: and we're very flexible on that too. We, we, I think the the things are changing very fast around remote working. We use Office three six five, which gives um sort of built in Skype and Teams, and you can pretty much communicate with anyone from anywhere. So a lot of our guides will work remotely. I certainly do. I'm always somewhere and that ability gives people freedom that why spend three hours a day commuting Mm. when you can go for a walk on the beach and start your day in a completely different mindset and we really encourage that when people need to be in they need to be in but we can celebrate the good stuff as well
0: Mm, absolutely so emma along your journey what has been some of your greatest lessons (laughs) many um so the so some of the big things are um
1: taking not not sharing the load enough that's definitely been um a challenge my husband's actually come back into the business and that's something we neither of us ever thought he would do but now being able to share the ideas and take on board um other people's ideas and um is 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 giving us that new direction. So that's that's really good, just sharing and not taking it all on board. Um, they have some great ideas, so being able to take that on is fantastic. I get distracted. I um, think that because we've been successful at one thing, we'll be successful at something else. I've been constantly trying to work out ways of sharing presentations across multiple devices. And the solution just technically wasn't there this was a couple of years ago and so we i would be chasing down avenues and investing in things but you, you kind of have to to learn that they're not right and and then keep moving forward so you you've got to be open to these things and then shutting them down very i've got quicker at shutting them down if it's not working mm, that's cuz
0: <laughs> so you you're pretty much on the pulse the whole time
1: well yes but although i'm trying to be um, at a higher level of the pulse so mm. that I can stop it from hemorrhaging lower down the ranks.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so the other thing that we'd love to ask is pain points because we believe everyone's got pain points in business. And um, what would be one of your biggest pain points that you deal with on a day-to-day basis? Oh, gosh. I get um,
1: – I I think I, – I mean, I actually – it's bizarre but I suffer from anxiety probably like most people do but you know those pressures of life everywhere okay so you know it's the juggle of the family the kids the work the dogs I'm just getting another puppy so I'm sure that's a great idea and but I think that I would I'm a high performance achiever and I think if I wasn't juggling all these things I would find something else to worry about so I have my life goals spread between work, home, everywhere. And I basically just try and fit everything in and not take everything as seriously now. So I can share that load and you you don't, you're not, no one's perfect. So I think there is far more that we, we don't have to take everything on, but there are juggles, of course. It's not a very clear answer at all. I'm very sorry. Oh,
0: no, it's fine. You know, most of us suffer anxiety and I think it is true. You know, I think it's, it's. you know, I always say that anxiety is a gift for me because it helps me slow down. I'm a bit like you. I'm very fast and uh, I think very external focus and make sure that everybody else is okay. Um, I'll get by. Uh, but, you know, I think that over the years and definitely this year it's been a focus about Uh, really about how I'm feeling and how I'm thinking and am I actually investing enough time in me? I think we all need to do that so much more and so I hope you you really get to
1: do that. My goal now that my husband's come back into the business is that I can offload so much of that and spend my time now on things that I know I can add value. So going out, speaking and sharing my point of view, being able to provide that information to help people, spending more time with my girls. It probably won't reduce my anxiety, but it will, it will change the <laughs> It will probably add a bit more value around.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think Don't get me wrong. I'm not a perfectionist, by the way. At, at it, I'm still <laughs> practicing how to slow yeah. down. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, what do you think is the number one reason most businesses or individuals fail to succeed? Ooh, the,
1: uh, the number one is tough. It's well, there's maybe a lot one of, of one of one of there's a lot of people go into things. W- Um, and invest a lot of money up front uh, without knowing truly how it's going to work out. And for me, everything I have grown has come from self is self funded. So we take the profit and we put it back in. So there's no debts, there's no none of those big scary things. So cash flow is king, you've got having big investment people invest in you is very, very tricky because you don't own it then. You're not in control. So I've always resisted that. So I think having, obviously, the cash has got to be there. There's got to be a need in terms of what you're delivering. But then it's the team. And and truly, if you're really loving what you're doing and passionate about how that's going to help people, everything will come back to that. So, if you're passionate about what you're doing, and there is a need for it, and you've got the skills, there shouldn't be a problem. If, if you just need that team of people around you to support you, we're lucky. We've got strong financial advice, a fantastic team, and there's a need. So, it's it, it is find that niche, find what you're passionate about, and and be able to clearly identify what your point of view is and what makes you different from your competitors so why people would use you
0: it is a very unique niche when you think about it when you think about it from like presentations and cuz they are used often but mm. having somebody to take care of that or drive you through from start to finish so that you get your message out and clearly uh, i think that that's very unique
1: it is, and certainly ten years ago, it was very unique. Now there's there's a, a a few people doing it, but it's it's like it's a communication tool that is used. You look at the city. I often look at the city skyline, and any city skyline, and every office in there, someone is likely working on a PowerPoint presentation, and it might be an internal pitch, it might be a sales presentation, it might be a big keynote event. But not many people know where to start and give, by giving people the rules, they actually can then sh- raise funds for life-saving um, charities or big co- companies that can then invest back in other things or have their message heard. And that that's actually life-changing stuff. Mm. So by helping these people achieve their goals, I feel really good about being able to do that, and and so does our
0: team. So, yeah, it's, it's exciting, very exciting. So, Emma, as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. So, what would be that one word for you? Oh, passion has to be passion, <laughs> of course. You know, I was I was waiting for it because you use passion quite a bit in this I interview. Have. I'm sorry, hashtag yeah, no, passion. Love it. It is that is your hashtag. Uh, And the other thing we do is also um, love to ask you, uh, always ask our woman of inspiration, to leave three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today? Okay. Well,
1: number one would be around having a clear objective and measure of success for your presentations or life in general, but definitely starting with that point. Then having a very clear point of view, I think the opportunity we have in this world is that there is so much um, competition out there, but by having a point of view and standing up and sharing that clearly, people will remember you. So that would be my second, have a strong point of view. And then thirdly, something that's very personal to me is actually just embracing that fear, Everyone gets nervous about stuff, whether it's speaking or whether it's about decisions you've got to make. But by literally embracing that feeling, that physical sensation of fear, you need to remind yourself that actually it's the same chemical reaction as excitement. So if you can just fool yourself and tell yourself, well, this physical feeling of fear is actually excitement, and I have this really important point of view and message to share, people want to hear from me, it will transform your thinking for your, what you're doing.
0: Absolutely. And Emma and I were having a bit of a chat before we got on the show about that exact topic. So um, I was sharing a story that once I was speaking in front of a really, really big group, uh, 900 plus, and um I remember I was a little bit nervous and I was actually jumping up and down in the back of the stage saying, I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited, just to shift my mindset. Because you can, you can trick your mindset with your body because you've got... Hmm. Look how big your body is compared to your mind. So you can jump around and actually trick your mind. So I love that one. So Emma, how can our listeners find you? What's the best Well, yep. So great. So um, I have a Twitter
1: handle, Emma B Presents. Um, Same on LinkedIn, Emma B Presents. And, of course, our website, which is presentationstudio.com.
0: Emma, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, sharing your knowledge with all of us. It's been amazing and like I said, we've never actually had a conversation about presentation so it was exciting to have a completely new topic. So thank you for sharing your wisdom and um, I look forward to speaking to you shortly.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an e-book to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano.